Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The Blast Podcast, a show where we believe movies can be more than just movies. I'm your host, Steve Watts, not joined by my usual co-host, Walker Texas Ranger, but instead my good friend, Ryan Boone, for the first episode in an ongoing series that we've been planning here at Blast for a long time. Today, Boone is going to lead me through his top five Blast movies and talk about what makes these specific films so special to him. Before we dive in, let's hear a word from our sponsor. As always, the Blast Podcast is presented by the Blast app, which is going to be available sooner than you may realize. Make sure you're following our Instagram page at Blast underscore movies underscore, our TikTok at Blast.movies, and our YouTube channel at Blast.movies to stay up to date on all of our latest content. There you'll find podcast clips, movie ticket reviews from Ty and myself, and up-to-date news on the progress of the app. Lastly, please make sure to check out our app's landing page at Blastmovies.net where you can learn more about what Blast is going to be. Well, Boone, I'm not sure how familiar you are with our pod, but we start every episode with a brief discussion of what we've watched in the previous week. Um, do you care to share what you've been up to this week? I do care to share. Uh, hi, everybody. <laughs> I'm Ryan Boone. <laughs> and I'm on the Blast Pod, finally. And yeah, this it's... week, I've been watching a lot of movies. Um, today, I'm actually in the middle of, as we speak watching fury um which has been great so far i'm excited to get back into that later um but this week steve and i also started the criterion challenge and that means uh we started it five weeks late it's supposed to be a one movie a week thing for for the year and we started it the first week of february so four movies behind and i watched all five of mine to catch up on friday and that was <laughs> la Haine. i don't know if that's how it's pronounced following in the mood for love parasite and being john malkovich which were all pretty solid parasite was overrated in my opinion uh you're, following was you're a machine what? man this is this I is do. something i couldn't <laughs> even pull off um it I, it was it was a mad day <laughs> yeah i mean i tried lahane actually like kind of fucked me up for the the entire day that i watched it because had to hit pause so, on the rest yeah it's just so like infuriating and oh, yeah. it feels like it's aged pretty perfectly um especially for the united states i i was watching it and i was sure that it was a movie from like the 2010s and then i was obviously sorely mistaken because it's from what 98 95 95 yeah which is crazy so so what is your yeah. favorite of the uh Criterion Challenge movies so far. I watched Lehane and I was like, I'm gonna watch four more movies and none of them will be as good as this one. And then I watched In the Mood for Love, which was the third one I watched, and I decided that that one was that one was number one. So I'm I'm sticking with that for now. Awesome. Um, In the Mood for Love, I actually started. I'm like ten minutes in, but okay. Then I got called away for dinner or something. Um, but Dude, it's a I have one. seen Lahane and Following. Following I wasn't a huge fan of. Um, kind of interesting to see Nolan start, but also a little disappointing to see how just, I, I don't know, poorly organized, I guess it was. 
I agree. I, I think I already told you this, but I'll reiterate for the audience. I felt like he took all the scenes on his little 16 millimeter, whatever he filmed it on, and he cut them up and he put them in a hat and he drew them out one by one randomly to decide what order he would put them in in the final movie. And yeah. that, it was a mess. <laughs> it feels that feels accurate. Um it is kind of funny to look back at the the main actor in the following is kind of like has a lot of cameos in Nolan's work. Um the most recent one is in Tenet when he is the waiter for John David Washington and Michael Caine, um like the super snooty guy and it's it's cool to see that Nolan is still like helping this guy get a little work cuz he is like horrible at <laughs> at acting. Um other than that, I watched Before Sunrise, which I don't want to get too far into um, on this pod because I know you haven't seen it yet, but no, I watched I it with to. Lem on a Netflix party outside of Netflix. Um, he loved it and then fell asleep for the last 20 minutes. So Sounds about right. Yeah, it sucked because uh, the last 20 <laughs> minutes are like the best part of the movie besides maybe the record booth scene. Um I also watched The Final Terror, which is just a weird, like, backwoods slasher from the 80s. It kind of sucked. Not a big fan. Nothing memorable. I'll probably forget about it in a couple of weeks. But I did watch a movie that has kind of a lore with, I think, our friend group specifically. Did you see The Visit when it hit theaters? I did see it in theaters. I don't. I could not tell you who I saw it with. But I know that it's people that you are also friends with. I I don't know which of those people it is, but yeah, I can't remember everybody in the group either. But this was like such a phenomenon at Thompson yes. Junior High. Yes, in it was a 2015 release, so he would have been in eighth grade. Um, mm-hmm. I remember Lem had to like bury his head into Casta because he was so scared. It was Lem's first horror movie in theaters. I think it was mine too, and I probably did the same thing. It's probably your only horror movie in theaters, is it not? Probably. Now that I think about it, maybe. Does that count? I mean, I saw it. Probably not. I don't know. Um, It wasn't that scary. It. Yeah, the visit is not that scary either. Now that we're watching it as adults, I watched this with Morgan. It's so funny, dude. I just like all of these moments I remember like seeing in the trailer, like the would you mind getting in the oven to clean it? Like <laughs> Yeah. I, I I will say I my only memory of that movie is I was so terrified and I still think about it, is they're like looking out the window of the house and they're like they're on like a FaceTime call with their parents or something, and the mm-hmm. parents are like those aren't your grandparents and i dude it it gives me like chills now because that freaked me out it's such and re-watching it it's such an obvious like giveaway like they have like four or five uh guests come to the house and at all of those times the grandparents just so happen to be out and about the one girl comes and just disappears uh there's there's so many tells that make it very obvious and it's funny to think of how worked up i think everybody was when when we when saw we this as kids. originally yeah <laughs> i actually think this was my first horror movie in theaters too and i remember i saw it before the big group with josh 
and he left to go to the bathroom at one point and i was like so scared that i thought i was gonna have to go with him (laughs) (laughs) um rounding out my week is a ghost story and eternal sunshine of the spotless mind which i have talked about too many times on this podcast account this was big though it was my 10th ghost story log on letterboxd that is nuts (laughs) yeah um minus the i probably watched it seven or eight times before i got the app too so it's approaching probably revenge of the sith territory where i could kind of go word for word on it scene for scene that is absolutely crazy there is not a single movie i could do that for so i i applaud you on that one well Speaking of Revenge of the Sith, uh, this is my smooth transition into your top five blast movies because I was legitimately shocked that there was no Star Wars on here. Um, For those of you who are listening to the pod and don't know, Boone and I's friendship is kind of built on Star Wars, as many of my friendships are. Um, We, in ninth grade, we got sat next to each other in AP Human Geography and started talking about Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes, an absolute blood-sucking mobile app. And it took years of our lives. It took years of our lives and probably close to 50 of my dollars, sadly. <laughs> um, but it was very... like it, it just set us on the right foot, and um, we've been friends, close friends ever since. But Oh, yeah. I want to I want to hear your your top 5 here. I see you have an honorable mention to go for first though. So first, I'll answer your question. I almost put Rogue One on here because I did see it I saw it when it came out in theaters and I saw it really released in IMAX mm-hmm. and those were both obviously amazing experiences. Rogue One is my favorite Star Wars movie, which might be a hot take, but I stand by it. I love it. And it, it almost made the list, but I ended up taking it off um, in exchange for, I think, number five. So we'll get to that in a second. My my honorable mention is John Wick as a franchise <laughs> because this has been very close to Steve and I. We've watched – I don't think we've seen four together yet. I know no. we had plans to, and they ended up falling through. We will. We will marathon them eventually. We better. But when three came out, we watched one and two back to back and then went and saw three. And that was obviously just amazing because those movies are, there's not a dull moment in the movies. And I'm pretty sure unless you just like hate watching people die, which I can understand. But (laughs) if you don't hate watching people die, there's not an unenjoyable moment in any of those movies. It never, it just never slows down. Um... No, and it's perfect. I don't know your rankings of the franchise, but I think four was my favorite, and I'm really excited when really? whenever we get a chance to to binge through them all. But that first I, watch yeah. was awesome with you. I agree, and so I I didn't quite put it on the list because I'm not going to say that those movies made me feel anything other than like <laughs> adrenaline rushes, but <laughs> the good memories with them. So those get the honorable mention. You don't get a a little choked up when John's looking at his wife on the on the bloody iPhone, <laughs> dude. It's it's like somebody made the most absurd movies possible, but they did it in a way that actually made them good. Like mm-hmm. you, there are so many hack and slash movies that exist, but John Wick I think is up there with. I I really love Kill Bill as being like another just 
it's a bloody movie, but it's a good bloody movie. Yeah. Uh, I, I gotta ask, did you see Sisu when it came out? I did not. Did you see the trailers so. for it? It's about, like, the Nazis capture this guy's dog, and he just goes on an absolute killing rampage to get his dog No, that back. sounds like my kind of movie, though. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the producers of John Wick or something are are attached. It got a little bit of buzz, but a very limited theater release. Um, I've been meaning okay. to check it out, but just haven't gotten a chance yet. I have I have heard of it, but I haven't looked into it at all. All right, let's let's kick off this top five, man. I'm it kind of dreading this first one that I see on the list. All right, okay. <laughs> so number five, I I couldn't decide one over the other. So I split between La La Land and 500 Days of Summer. Interesting. Very La La Land. Yeah. No, say what you're... It's it's very different movies, um, especially in their endings, I suppose. I, in my head, have clumped them together, and I'll explain why in a second. Okay. So La La Land, I saw, as far as I can remember, I think I did, in theaters when it came out. And since I saw it, it has been the movie I recommend to every single person that asks me what movie they should watch. Wow. It's not my favorite movie, but I think it's a very widely enjoyable movie. And so that's why I've, I've recommended it to probably everybody I know. 500 Days of Summer, I just watched four days ago. Um, and it hit me very similarly to... The way La La Land hit me. And I'm not going to say that they are the same plot. Because there's obviously a lot of differences with them. Especially in the way the characters are are built. Um, But I think they send similar messages. Very similar messages. And I'm not going to speak for the people that obviously made a movie as amazing as La La Land. But I think that there is some inspiration taken from 500 Days of Summer. Interesting. Um, all right. First off, I want I want you to go back to seeing La La Land in the theaters for the first time. Do you have any any special memories there? I am a musician. I <laughs> I did jazz all throughout middle school, high school, and seeing that movie in theaters. I think it came out in what 2016 so i would have been a mm-hmm. sophomore in high school most likely i was like man they made a movie about people that enjoy music that nobody else enjoys <laughs> <laughs> so and, are you a gosling like jazz truther or a john legend like contemporary guy <laughs> if i'm gonna be honest with you i love playing jazz i hate listening to jazz because i think that jazz standards as they are are not for the popular masses like people don't understand it and so in a way i'm gonna i'm gonna ride along with john legend there but um playing jazz and performing jazz i think is a super important part of of my life and i think it's a thing that more musicians especially those that are uh typically into like classical orchestra that sort of side of music that people need to experience because it's a completely different beast. It's like, it's like the improv of like Broadway. You know what I'm saying? Um, Yeah. If, if you're, if you're picking up what I'm putting down, I know that was 
a terrible metaphor, but um, it's an interesting one. I th- there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> it's, I guess, a better way to put it would be comparing like uh, a improv comedy show to like a Broadway musical. Okay. That would be like jazz versus classical music. I'll I'll specify there. Mm-hmm. Um, but so La La Land, seeing it when I was uh, a younger jazz musician was just so cool. And obviously the love story behind it is so just gut-wrenching because you want it to end a certain way and it simply does not. Yeah. Um, and this was, that... Th- no, continue. This was voted as our, our blast number one movie ending of all time. Um, and I, I, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lahane might be up there now, but it's dude. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> La La Land just captures that, that feeling of kind of helplessness of the, the helplessness and hope of moving on. And that is why I've linked it to 500 days of summer here. So I'll, I'll, I'll read you some of my, my notes that I took about comparing these movies. Okay. These movies are built on your emotional roller coaster. You are so happy for them that they're finding these people that they love and care about. And you want it to work out. And then you start seeing those those problems kind of creep in. And you're sitting there as an audience member going, well, they can't do this to me. Like, this has to have a happy ending, obviously. <laughs> and then suddenly the end of the movie just picks you up and throws you off a cliff. Right. Both right. movies. Five hundred days of summer is a brutal ending. Until until the very, very ending, but I'm gonna exclude that. <laughs> so you're so, talking about the ending as like the park bench scene when they're looking out yes, at the city. Yes. Yeah. Um, I wanna ask you your thoughts on a, a lot of people, including Joseph Gordon Levitt, kind of saying that is it Nick in Five Hundred Days of Summer? Is that his name? Dude, I'm going to be honest. I can't even remember. I watched well, it four days ago. I've seen JGL's... so many movies in the last few days. <laughs> JGL's character um, has been kind of said to be a villain. Uh, I don't know if villain is the right word, but just kind of Tom. in the wrong. His name is Tom. Tom yes. For the movie. Uh, because Summer is very upfront from the start about not wanting um, anything Absolutely. serious and stuff. And... It's interesting because I think we all uh, like have I, I have moments where we identify with Tom and where we feel stuck yes. in our ways kind of and not willing to accept the the words of others but it's it's one that's stuck with me for quite a while and one that I often think about. Yes. And I I saw a great letterbox review that said uh I can fix her from a man that needs to be fixed. <laughs> Yeah. So I think that's a great way to put their their uh, relationship there. Um but I will say the reason I ended up watching this movie um was because Steve showed me many years ago the expectation versus reality scene. And that at the time I was like, "Oh, whatever, Steve, you're a weird movie guy." And since then I've obviously also become a weird movie guy. Not to the extent of Steve. Let's not get it twisted. <laughs> I don't run my own podcast here. But I that is one of the great scenes of 
at least love stories. And I, that is a big reason why I link these two movies together is I think the overarching theme of both movies is that reality is not what you're expecting. You can want something so, so bad to end up the way you want it to end up. And ultimately it probably won't. Yeah. One of the, in the opening monologue, I think they say that like Tom watched too many movies as a kid and was like corrupted by that. And to thinking that like these fantasy love stories exist. And it's very interesting. This is why you need to watch the before trilogy, man. It's the most realistic love story ever. And you get through those first two movies and you're just grinning ear to ear the entire time. And then the third one, just brace yourself. I'll, I'll be sure to marathon them. They're at the top of my list for next marathon I do. Nice. The 500 Days of Summer pick, I think, does make sense. It's interesting that you just watched it four days ago because we've talked about it a couple of times on this podcast recently. Uh, really? Our, our good friend Ryan Kazda just watched it. He was oh, telling really? me about it off the podcast, yeah, that he really enjoyed it. Um, and Ty actually just watched this on the airplane a couple of weeks ago. And... I think he's fully on Tom's brutal, side. Brutal airplane movie. <laughs> Anything that has the chance of making you like sob when you're in the air with no hundred other people. Yeah, there's, I'm, I'm staying away. Last time I was on an airplane, I watched Gravity with George Clooney and Sandra That's Bullock. a great pick. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> great on the little phone screen, but... I don't know. Let's. <laughs> uh, your next pick here is a little offbeat compared to the first one, so I want to hear about that a little bit. Yeah. So at number four, we have Disney's Lilo and Stitch, which I know Steve hates. I hate not hates the movie, so but much. hates that I put it on this list. I hate the movie too, man. I <laughs> that's I too look... far. That's too far. So, so what's special to you about this one? I'm I'm excited to hear. I I have another Disney movie that I love way more that I'll get to later. But Lilo and Stitch has long been my favorite um like Disney Disney movie as in Disney Animation Studios, you know, princesses mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um Stitch has been my favorite character since I was a little kid. I have so much like stitch merchandise like i think it's the only character ever that i've bought like i have a couple stuffed animals i got little figurines i got all this stuff um and for no reason other than i just i just like them um but as as a kid you know you feel sad for stitch you're like oh man this little blue alien needs a family right <laughs> yeah but i watch it as an adult and i'm sitting there and looking at it as now a 22 year old and i'm like man nani lilo's older sister she's got a tough life here she does and like she's living this life where she's trying to juggle having no parents a sister that's kind of a menace uh, a new alien that's supposed to be a dog that's just ruining everything. And also David, her boyfriend, who she's like, he's in love with her and she just doesn't feel like she has the time for him. And it's it's just, she's she's trying to hold all of these things together and she's really struggling with that. And I think that kind of resonates more now that I'm older that like, 
life is hard, you know? I didn't recognize that was one of the mo- like one of the themes of the movie as a kid, but now yeah. I'm like maybe this is about more than a little blue alien needing to find a family. Um so, Go ahead. So the first time I watched this, I was in high school and I I think that partially taints my my experience with it because i have no nostalgia for it at all but that i will say in my notes next to emotion the first word is nostalgia nice yeah it's so uh it's a tough one for me because i think lilo is like one of the most annoying children in any movie i've ever absolutely. seen um, absolutely and i just end up getting pissed off instead of feeling any sort of endearment for them. This is one of the movies that makes me not want to have children. Um, okay. <laughs> I will say you're talking about these family beats and it kind of made me think of, uh, the iron giant, uh, some similar themes of that single yeah, motherhood absolutely. with, with a kid who's kind of a troublemaker out there, but I say it, I think iron giant did it a little bit better. Um, but that's just personal bias, I guess. I, I also love the Iron Giant, but I think Lilo and Stitch wins it out for me because of that nostalgia. Uh, not to say, fair. I did see Iron Giant when I was a kid. Like, I, I watched it, but not nearly as much as I was exposed to Lilo and Stitch. Huh. So, yeah, I, 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 I guess I get it. It's just a tough pill for me to swallow here. Lilo and Stitch, man. There's so many great animated movies out there. Um, I think it's just a great, <laughs> great story of like, I I put down like what this movie is 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 teaching me. You know, it's a blast movie. It's teaching me something. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that is that everybody needs somebody, and that obviously extends to Lilo and Stitch because Lilo is finding Stitch at a very, at a time in her life when she needs a friend. And Stitch is a lot, literally lost alien. And so he, he kind of needs somebody to take him in. But again, as I'm older, I'm looking at Nani and David and saying, they also need somebody. <laughs> Nani needs somebody to help her deal with this bratty kid and her pet <laughs> alien. Yeah, uh, fair. So I think that's that was a big reason that it ended up where it did on this list. Interesting. Um you're bringing me around on the pick, but I, I still hate the movie. The other thing I think that kind of taints this uh, this movie for me is completely unfair to it. But have you ever seen the like TikToker from way back in the day that was like, ladies, is it weird if I blah, 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 blah. And one of his, his is like, if I wear Lilo and Stitch onesies with you and like have a movie night and it made me cringe so hard that I, every time I hear Lilo and Stitch, that's all I can think of. I think honestly that's, I'll give you that one. <laughs> that's tough. It, it was like Danny Gonzalez or Drew Gooden or someone made a video about it that like just scarred me. Um, okay. Now that we've talked about the happy one, <laughs> what do you got at your number three? Number three is another movie that I just watched for the first time very recently, um, and that is Manchester by the Sea. And this one made the list because it is the most emotionally draining movie I've ever watched in my entire life. I was, when I watched it, I think a month ago-ish, 
I was I was having kind of a down day and then I watched this and I felt worse after watching it, which is not necessarily what you're looking for when you're watching a movie. Um, but it's it's just it's a lot. It it is a lot. Um I <laughs> so on the do, oh God, I'm I'm stumbling here. I'm trying to think of how to introduce this. A while ago, I want to say two and a half years it's been now, I shot a short film for my videography class at Boone's apartment. And Boone starred in the movie. A very exciting acting debut for him. Oh, yeah. and I'm on IMDb. Look me up. (laughs) It's basically just a, a man comes home from a long day. He picks up his favorite movies and puts them on the TV and watches them all night uh and it's it's a very simple concept but i'm pretty sure manchester by the sea made it in there and i'm wondering if did it that, really it did yeah and i'm wondering if that inspired your watch at all clearly you don't remember no dude i'm gonna have to go back and rewatch that but i will say that is how i was feeling when i watched it myself <laughs> it was just like man it's been a long day time to put on a good movie <laughs> so what what's your favorite scene from this movie there are so many great ones so i with this one i think it's a movie that not enough people have seen and enjoyed um so i'm gonna do my best to not spoil it because i think it's something that you deserve to go into blind um but Everybody by now that has TikTok has probably seen the police station scene, which is arguably the best scene in the movie. My favorite scene in the movie is when shortly before the police station scene, uh, the main character, Lee, has a, a big party with his friends and he's he's kind of winding down his night and he decides to hit the mini mart for some beer. And the ensuing consequences of that seemingly ordinary action i think is the best sequence of events in the movie interesting my go-to is one that i send to ty all the time um it comes from the end of the movie and i won't give context here too to respect your spoiler free wish but (laughs) uh, uh it's when casey affleck says to lucas hedges that he just can't beat it yeah. One of the most powerful, I think, lines I've actually heard in a movie. Um, and oh, yeah. it's so, I, I know a couple of people who have watched this movie and who haven't really understood what he meant there. And so I think it's, it, when you do understand what he means, I think it hits harder than any other, any other line in the movie. I, yes, I, I will say. My my favorite line comes from when he's in the police station, and it's a simple question. He asks uh, two police officers, he asks them after they question him, he says, so can I go? But he says it in a way that's less he wants to go and more like that's it, like something more isn't being done about what i did and i think that is also very powerful it absolutely is that's a it's such a beautiful movie start to finish man it's it's hard to talk about i it is through and through 
the most I I said this the most emotional draining of a movie I've ever seen and that's not because of a scene or the end or whatever it is the whole movie nonstop we talked recently about killers of the flower moon and a lot of people have compared the tone of killers to this movie and while the tones are similar i think that manchester does a better job of just beating you down and making you not want to get up (laughs) i agree and i will say i watched killers of the flower moon recently as well and i was kind of bored Ah, dude, thank God. It did not hit me emotionally the way that Manchester by the Sea does. Not even I'm, close. I'm glad I'm not alone in that. I felt <laughs> so like, I don't know, I felt so isolated after seeing that movie and thinking it wasn't that amazing. Um, I think it's good. Well I also made, think it's good. All that. Oh, yeah. But in an age where directors get more and more control, um, I feel like just having a a movie that's well shot is less important because it's kind of the standard right now, Uh, especially with the rise of a 24 and neon and all of those uh, kind of production companies that specialize Mm -hmm. in, in more artsy filmmaking, like, okay, it looks good. What else? And for me, the, what else was kind of lackluster in killers, but let's stay on track. Are there any (laughs) other like memories, (laughs) feelings, lessons that, that you kind of felt from Manchester? I think the biggest thing about that movie, other than the emotional toll, is just the overarching idea of you don't really have control over your life. Um, Some things we just simply can't decide how things are going to happen. And you might argue that maybe it's fate. And does fate bring about bad things or is fate supposed to be reserved for good things and i think that this movie shows that regardless of what you want to believe bad things happen and there is nothing we can do about it yeah and kind of speaking on fate for me this movie was also about bad things happen and sometimes there's no real reason for it um Mm -hmm. you'd think that getting uh in a typical movie getting lucas hedges to like kind of come together with his uncle would result in a happy relationship for the two of them and both of them kind of finding what they need from each other and instead we just kind of get a fairly surface level empty relationship where things still go wrong like all the time and while there are a couple of touching scenes where they do come together for the most part this just feels like a this happened, this sucks, and now I'm here, and I'm doing my best with it. Yeah, I agree. (sighs) Anything more to add here? (laughs) You know, it's just, I I want people to watch it. I kind of picked it on a whim on a day where I was just like, man, I need to watch something good, and uh, it's become probably one of my top ten movies. Um, easily so i i just think it needs to be admired by more people all right i i don't want to move on to another sad movie but i mean you've got just a sad of of one on on your next slide here so at number two i have my i'm gonna call it my second favorite movie ever which is 
some people will probably get angry with me, but I like what I like. And that is Blade Runner 2049. Nice. And it is, it is a sad movie, but I don't necessarily love it because it's sad. I love it because it's freaking cool. <laughs> but it, it is also sad, and there's a lot of emotion built into it. Um, and I, I think that when I'm watching that movie, I'm thinking to myself, wow, this is a sick world, and this is super cool world building. And I just recently read the book that Blade Runner is based on, and I can admire this world that is being crafted. But also, I'm sitting there and I'm empathizing with the main character, Kay, who's played by Ryan Gosling. Mm-hmm. He's lonely. He's he's searching for this reason to exist. And he's wanting to belong to something more than just existing. Um, and I think that's something most people can can get around, you know, because we've all experience those sort of emotions it's interesting because all of these emotions are coming from a robot and this is one of the most like human characters that i can recall um yes the scene that kind of sticks out for me is when and we are going to spoil this one because there's no way not to um yeah when k finds out that he's not the the one who was born from uh from the other replicant he is just another ordinary robot that isn't too special and Mm -hmm. it makes me think a lot about um, under the silver lake which is did you watch that with me it's got andrew garfield in it it's a really weird one um yes there's a line in that movie that basically talks about how when we're all born we feel like our our parents talk us up so much that it makes us feel that we're destined for greatness and that we're here for a purpose and that we're important and all of this stuff. And in fact, sometimes you're, you're not some, there are plenty of ordinary people that everybody doesn't know what they're up to, what they're doing, anything. Yes, I agree. And while I think that is my general sentiment watching the movie, I think my biggest takeaway, at least I've seen this movie, I think three or four times now, um, which compared to Steve watching his favorite movie sounds like nothing. <laughs> but uh, I, I think the last couple of times I've watched it, my biggest takeaway has been, and my favorite quote of the movie spoken by Harrison Ford as Rick Deckard, sometimes to love someone, you got to be a stranger. And I think that's just as young adults something that we get caught up in is that we have to feel things and we have to let people know about those feelings and we have to like act on those feelings and all this stuff but what what this is kind of saying is like sometimes you just gotta let it be you gotta you gotta feel those feelings obviously you gotta let yourself feel those feelings but you you sometimes have to do nothing about that um, and that also ties into my favorite scene of the movie, which is also one of my top five favorite movie endings ever, um, where Rick Deckard, Harrison Ford, uh, he ends up finding the one, the, the human that was born from a replicant mm-hmm. or 
however you want to describe what's going on there because frankly it's really hard to explain and biologically it makes zero sense it doesn't (laughs) so we'll we'll just leave it at him finding his daughter um and he went so many years um without contacting her knowing about her at all just letting her live her life uh to give her a life that she deserved um and then we get to the real ending the end um yeah. and it's it's just uh a beautiful serene ending of of Kay Ryan Gosling uh laying in the snow and just kind of you can think he's reflecting we don't really know um but i'd like to think that's that's what he's doing very nice i the sometimes to love someone you gotta be a stranger reminds me a, a lot about la la land uh from earlier yes, on that your too. list here yeah it's i will say no continue sorry a, a couple of these themes just really tie together and i think that the the best part of blast of, of about this top five blast movie series that we'd like to do is blade runner 2049 is also on ty's list for an entirely different reason uh, I, I'm pretty there sure it's go. his best blast movie of all time, and I, Ty and I need to talk. <laughs> you do, yeah. I think he, you two would hit it off. Um, but he's a little more casual than you. He, <laughs> 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 um, but I think that looking at someone's not ranked top five best movies they've seen, like mm-hmm. nobody wants to hear about Citizen Kane for the millionth time, about The Godfather for the five hundredth time. Yes. It's it's interesting to see what movies mean to someone personally. And I think that it actually paints a fairly rounded portrait of who you are as a person and what matters Absolutely. to you. And I will say that my top five blast movies are not even my top five favorite movies. And I think that's also interesting where I'm watching movies. My favorite movie ever is Interstellar. Mm-hmm. And that is, I, I'll spoil it for you now. That's not number one here. <laughs> and that's because I feel like a movie, there are movies that teach you things and there are movies that make you feel things. And then there are cool movies that you love <laughs> just because they're cool. And Interstellar, it makes me cry and it i love it but i'm not gonna say that there's any overarching lesson in that blade runner is an example of i love it it's so cool it taught me something and it is so unbelievably sad yeah um and i will just share my last thing about blade runner uh my my uh my biggest memory with it is um, I, this was literally, I think the movie that got me into movies. Nice. I was, I was sick for whatever reason in high school. I stayed home from school. Maybe I was sick. Maybe I wasn't really sick, you know? (laughs) Um, But I decided that I decided that I wanted to watch a good movie. And so I went on, I don't know, it must've been Apple or iTunes store or something. And on sale was like the 4K version of Blade Runner and you could purchase it for like $7. So I was like, oh, this could be a cool one to have. I'll just buy it. And like it's in 4K. I'll watch it on my 4K TV. It'll be super cool. Mm-hmm. And that 
opened my mind to so many new ideas about what movies could do. Because I'd never really thought about a movie like that before. And then I watched it and I was like, okay, wow. Two things here. First off, um, the movie that got me into movies in a very similar way was Goodwill Hunting. But. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Blade Runner 2049. I, I I hated it so much when I first saw it and you hated that take and you yes. I think are more of a reason than Ty because I don't really trust Ty's takes that much anymore <laughs> um <laughs> kind of forced me to to revisit it from a different point of view and yeah now it's on my my top 100 favorites I don't know if it's a top 10 blast movie for me but it's absolutely a blast movie um yeah, yeah. it's it's been one that I'm glad that I got to see and one that I'm just generally glad I have an appreciation for now. Uh, it's, it's a very special film that said I did watch this with Lem just because he was like, Oh boy. Do you know any movies with Anna de Armas? <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's another reason. It's a great movie though. If we're being honest uh, yeah, with ourselves. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Take me to your number one here. My number one. And I'm I'm really curious to see how you'll uh, react to this pick. Um, but my number one is Toy Story. As a franchise, but specifically my favorite of Toy Story is Toy Story 2. Hmm. Toy Story 2 is the one where, with like Al's Toy Barn, right? Yeah. yeah That's yeah. that whole stuff. I, I watched yes. this in Spanish class in high school one time and... Um, that's crazy my my spanish teacher always quoted the voice actor at one point in this movie goes woody woody like freaking <laughs> out and it's she thought it was the funniest thing ever it's one of the one of the memories i have associated with it that's amazing i one of the reasons i love toy story so much just as a series and the biggest reason why it made this list and number one on this list is i just have a, a lifetime of memories watching toy story um it was probably one of the first movies i obviously can't remember my toddler years mm -hmm. um but it was probably one of the first movies my parents ever exposed me to because um it was already well loved on my mom's side of the family and we had the vhs tapes of toy story one and toy story two that were worn out by the time that I was probably in kindergarten, um, my mom has two sisters and they would play Toy Story for their kids all the time. And so it was just a huge part of, of growing up as a kid. I think me and my brother both dressed up as Woody for Halloween. I was Buzz for Halloween. Like it, it was huge in, in our family. Um, and so one of my fondest movie watching memories is when Toy Story 3 came out, me and my family and my mom, both of my mom's sisters, and I think my mom's mom, <laughs> all of us, it was probably 15 people in total, went to see not only Toy Story 3, but prior to Toy Story 3 in the same theater, a double feature of one and two. We were wow. in the theater for who knows how many hours um but it was it was just so fun getting to see two movies that had shaped my childhood on the big screen followed by the new one that it was also 
so sad comparatively. Um, and then for Toy Story 4 recently, we got the same group back together to go see Toy Story 4. Um, so it's just been such a, a staple in, in my whole family. Um, and it just really holds a special place in my heart and in my life still. I'm, I'm looking at my uh, Buzz Lightyear action figure I've got here on my shelf in college so uh yeah (laughs) well now i kind of understand why you liked the fourth one that's that's a pretty special memory um yeah there are so many beautiful moments in this franchise but before i ask you about your favorite one i want to talk about a moment from when i was a toddler uh because you can't remember back then but i can and i want to say i was four or five years old uh and much like you, I also had the Toy Story VHS. And, Let's go. Um, I had a deathly fear of tornadoes when I was that young. And like anytime there was a thunderstorm or anything, I would be like, shit, tornado's going to come. It's going to take our house. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> I'm going to get sucked up and thrown out. Like, <laughs> I was horrified. So one night, I want to say it was probably around midnight or so there was uh the tornado siren started going off and woke up my whole family and by this time my sisters are in high school in late junior high and they're kind of too old to be scared of this stuff anymore so i'm freaking out but everybody else is calm and we had one big couch in the basement (laughs) And you know the couch, the big gray one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And we all came downstairs to sleep because the tornado sirens were going to be going off for like, I want to say it was like an hour or so. And I was so panicked that my mom was like, you know what? You're not going to be able to sleep anyway. Let's put on a movie. And we watched Toy Story 1 on VHS because we didn't have any uh, like satellite TV because of, of the big storm. And so... I remember sitting there watching it while my sisters and dad were asleep and me and my mom were just staying up, riding it out. It was awesome. Toy Story is just such a, a family franchise, which I, I think is such a big part of why it's been so popular even 20, 20 how many years after it came out? What are we at? Like, it's old. I but think it's, it's nearing 30 so now. Loved. Wasn't it a yeah. 90s movie? Yeah, I think it's 90... I'm I'm not even going to try because I'm going to get it wrong, but yes, <laughs> late nineties. Yeah. It's, I, I think that Pixar in general holds a special place in pretty much everyone our age's heart. Um, mm-hmm. For me, my favorite Pixar movie and what was on one of my top five blast movies a long time ago was Wally because yeah. it's just another one that as a kid, you end up rewatching over and over again because you find, yes some piece of it that you identify with. So I guess my question to you is what in toy story do you identify so closely with? I think it's just the thing of like, I'm not going to try and tell you how I felt about these movies as a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, But as an adult, I watched these over winter break a couple months ago, um, toy story one and two specifically. And I, I think the biggest thing that keeps me coming back to them is that like, everybody grows up and and that's very specific to the movie where i'm throwing my toys away you know like i i outgrow them 
but <laughs> even broader than that like things change and you build these relationships and you build these um sort of emotional connections to people things what have you and and they go away or or they they go away they come back or they're gone for like it, things change and toy story is all about being okay with that um i picked out a quote that i i really liked from toy story 2 and woody says i can't stop andy from growing up but i wouldn't miss it for the world and so we hate that change happens but in hindsight experiencing that change is often where the memories are made um or at least maybe not always good memories but things that you are glad you experienced um and i i think that's just toy story 4 at the end ruined me because that change is now becoming more permanent for them and and more drastic um and and I think that really reflects on life as as an adult. I was crying at the end of Toy Story Four, hard, like verbally crying. And this was because Duke Kaboom was so good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I also love badass Bo Peep. No, oh, yeah. but uh, it, it, it's just change is good, and I think that's what Toy Story is all about. I love it. Um. I won't bore any of the listeners here with my long letterbox reviews about change that I posted at four in the morning last night. Beautiful. But Beautiful reviews, like to, everybody. If you'd like to check them out, follow me on Letterboxd at Steve Watts. It's just my name. Um, <laughs> 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 that said, I, I love this pick. I think Toy Story is a perfect blast franchise, I guess, in this case. Um, yeah. And I'm glad that some more childhood films made it on a collective blast movies list because ty and i as uh, since we got into movies a little bit later on um like high school for both of us pretty much i think that a lot of our blast movies are more high school centric and yeah i tend to not really think about those those childhood movies as much even though they are arguably more important um yeah. than the ones we watch now i dated a girl a while back who really wanted to go into children's media and i won't shout her out by name but she does work at nickelodeon now which is pretty cool and that's awesome she had always said that she wanted to be in children's media because um she knows how much even just a simple episode of phineas and ferb shaped the person she is now and i think it's cool to look back at some of the media that we watch back from back in the day and think about how it's impacted us to this day i i will say that when you asked me to come up with this list and i was looking at all the movies that i've seen it was way easier to pick out movies that i saw as a kid as ones with strong memories than it was for uh, more recent movies and that probably stems from the fact that I watch these movies so much. Mm-hmm. And I could say that about a lot of the, like Phineas and Ferb. I could say that about a lot of the TV shows I watch. Like those are some of the best content that I've ever watched in my life. And yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean they were the best. Like I just watched, uh, what's it called? In the, in the mood for love. Yeah. I can't even remember, dude. I it's, it's a blur, <laughs> but like that is 
obviously, objectively, a perfect like piece of media. I I can't say that I would rather watch it over Toy Story or <laughs> even like Cars, yeah. another Pixar movie that I watched a ton as a kid, and maybe that gives me a little less credit as somebody who has an opinion on movies but it's just i like movies that i have fun watching yeah and i think that the thing ty and i are trying to do with blast is give a place for everybody to share their favorite movies and in memories with movies um yeah lem recently reached out lem is a close friend of ours for those listening Mm -hmm. and he talked to me about movies for probably an hour while he was uh just awake late at night and he was like thanks for talking man like i know i don't know shit about this and i probably sound like an idiot but it's always fun to hear your takes and like i i like sharing my opinions even though they don't really mean anything and I'm like, dude, this is why Blast exists. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is a place for you to go and for everybody to be able to grade movies, not on how good they are necessarily, but how much they yes. mean to you. And yeah, I, I, I love I it. Think, yeah, I think Letterboxd is a super cool service, obviously, because it's w- very widely used and, and it's been great for people that love watching movies. Yeah. What I don't love about Letterboxd is that when I'm done watching a movie, I have to say, how well do I like this movie? And it's not always how well do I like it, but how well was it made? And I feel like there's a disconnect there where if I'm rating a movie four stars out of five, am I rating it four because it's worthy of a four or because I enjoyed it at a four star level? And yeah. I, that's that's been the toughest thing for me where i scroll back and i look at all these ratings i've given movies and i'm like maybe that one shouldn't be as high as it is but i don't care like i couldn't see myself rating it any lower because i love it um i i think enjoyment is a big part in in rating movies which I, i'm not a film critic so what does it matter <laughs> hey if we didn't enjoy movies then why would we watch them right that exactly all right. Well, thank you so much, Boone, for joining me on this week's pod. Um, thank time you. I can't wait to bring ever you back on this pod later, but also to bring more of this style of episode to the audience. Um, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Blast Podcast. Be sure to check out our website for all our latest content and news at blastmovies.net, as well as our Instagram at blast underscore movies underscore and our TikTok at blast.movies for podcast clips and more content. We will catch you next week.